Oh yeah, the runway is empty and we are clear for takeoff. Welcome to that Good Good Experience podcast, a show where related minds talk about related interests in music, culture, and more. Join me, Marcus, along with Kimmy and Byron as we take you on a ride. You may want to buckle up, there's some turbulence ahead. And we've landed safely, ladies and gentlemen. Here we are, September the 11th, 2021. Welcome to that We Got That Good, Good Experience podcast. I'm Marcus Moses, along with my cousin, co-host, Kimberly. Marcus, Marcus, Marcus. I am so excited. Welcome to the Good Good, everybody. Oh, yeah. special episode. Absolutely special episode, indeed. We'll tell you why in just a second. Byron Bino Brown, what's going on? Hey, what's up, fam? Welcome, welcome, everyone. A very special day. Happy to be Absolutely. here. Absolutely. And we've all said that it is a very special day. It is a very special day indeed. We have a very special guest, ladies and gentlemen, along on our podcast. None other than the man himself, Mr. Lenny Williams, is in the building, and we're going to chop it up with him. He's got his playlist on our very special theme episode entitled Our Favorite Love Songs, not entitled Cause I Love You by Lenny Williams. And we're going to kick it with him in just a minute. But before we get started, um, we've got a new segment that we want to introduce on our podcast this week, and it's called What's Good Good? And on this segment, we're going to highlight what's good in the world of music, movies, and more. So Byron, check it out, man. What's good good? Well, Marcus, what's good, good is Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. They are what's good, good. They finally released their debut album, Volume One, and has already kicked out three solid singles featuring Sounds of Blackness, Babyface, and a current release, Somewhat Love, There You Go Breaking My Heart, featuring Mariah Carey. This is a solid album. It features many of our favorite artists that they have worked with over the years. And if you have not heard this gem, you need to grab it. So, Kimmy, what's good, good? Well, what's good, good on my end is our pretty boy, lover boy, Mr. Drake, has a new album that had to be titled Certified Lover Boy. It's the sixth studio album by Canadian rapper Drake, and it was released on September 3rd, 2021 by Republic Records. And it features guest appearances by Little Baby, JC, Travis Scott, and a slew of others. And guess what else is good good this week? The certifiable Kanye premiered his new album titled Donda, dedicated to his dear departed mother, complete with features with Little Baby, Pusha T, Don Tolliver, and many others. And apparently, them both dropping their album practically the same day has fueled their 12-year beef, so whatever. Um, it's all for publicity anyway. So what's good, good on your end, Marcus? Hey, what's good, good on my end? Leela James is back with her seventh studio album entitled See Me with the hit single Complicated, which is tearing up the charts right now. You can listen to it on all streaming platforms, along with Nas. The legendary Nas has a new album entitled King's Disease 2, and he has guest appearances from Eminem, EPMD, Charlie Wilson, along with Lauren Hill. That track is fire, I'm telling you. It is also available on all streaming platforms. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, we said it all um, throughout the podcast that we do have a special guest. And I tell you, it doesn't get much bigger than this. Look, this man has been in the music business for over 50 years. His music has been sampled by such artists as Mob Deep. 
Kanye West, Scarface, and Jesus, along with others. His 1978 hit, Cause I Love You, is a cult classic among African-American culture and is featured in the hit movie, The Kings of Comedy. He has one of the most recognizable voices in all of music. Ladies and gentlemen, please help us welcome the man, the myth, the legend, the incomparable, Mr. Lenny Williams. What's good for Hey, Lenny. Hey, what's, what's going on? Good morning. Good morning. How you doing there, Mr. Lenny Williams? I'm um, up and at him, as they say. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> ready, ready to take on the day. Uh-huh. Absolutely, man. Before we get started again, um, welcome to the What's Good Good podcast. Uh, basically, where we just talk about music uh, and, and other types of stuff. Man, listen to me. Um, this is a very big deal for us because we've been like preparing this for a couple of weeks. And um, we prepared because when we started this podcast, we had no idea uh, where this thing was going to go. We just wanted to be a, something simple amongst cousins doing what we love to do. And that's just talking about music. But like I said, I mean, but we do. You and I have a mutual friend. Uh, in Jimmy Doctry, uh, the Opa Like a Soul Psyker. And uh, I reached out to him. I know you've done several interviews with him. And um, I reached out to him. He gave me your number. And here we are, man. And we're just blessed uh, to be in your presence today. And we thank you so much. Uh, it's a small world after all. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's what the song says anyway. Yes, uh, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. So real quick, let's, let's uh, uh, real quick, um, Lenny, uh, just tell us about your humble beginnings, man. I mean, where you're from, how you got started, and um, things of that nature. Well, I was born in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, and uh, my parents moved to uh, California, Oakland, California, when I was about uh, 14 months old. And uh, we lived right by the church, right behind the church. So, uh, you know, whether I went or if I didn't go, you know, I was hearing church music all the time. And then uh, right down the street from the church was the radio station. They had a big window in there and you could walk down the street and see the disc jockeys playing music and talking all that jive and stuff. And so music was, you know, uh, just an integral part of my life. Uh, I started playing trumpet when I was uh, in the fourth grade. Um, and when I went to church, uh, I was, uh, you know, uh, with the church with the Hawkins family, you know, Walter, Ed, Danny, you know, name them all. Tremaine, okay. she's a little girl. Uh, went okay. to church with uh, uh, Andre Crouch, Billy Preston, okay. people like that, the Stewart family, Sly Stone's family. So I was surrounded by music, surrounded by people that uh, that had, uh, you know, that loved uh, church music, but also had, you know, ideas about, you know, doing uh, uh, secular music. Uh, back in those days, we called it, you know, uh, worldly music. And, <laughs> right, uh, right. And so, you know, that's kind of how I got my start uh, on a dare when I was in uh, college, a friend of mine asked me to go down to a talent show and see if I could win the money. And uh, we both needed the money. So he's, he was my manager. I don't know, I don't know about his man, but he, I guess he thought he was Colonel Parker and I was El Elvis. So we split the money, right? <laughs> 50, 50 deal. And so uh, I met somebody down there one, one weekend. I was there and the guy's like, Hey, do you want to make a record? And then that's bam, how it started, you know? Okay. So you, so you got started on the dare, huh? Pretty much. Pretty much, I got started on the dare. Yeah, a friend of mine just kind of, you know, pushed me to push me to do it. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Kim, did you have any idea that you impact R and B the way that you have just by that dare? Not really. You know, I mean, I was uh, 
a little frightened, you know, because actually, you know, I was a teenage uh, preacher. And uh, huh. and so uh, in college, I, uh, you know, the, 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 the black movie was getting started and and I was going to uh, you know school with Huey Newton and Bobby Seale, people like that. And um, and they wanted me to get involved in, uh, you know, uh, you know, the struggle. And um, uh, it was you know, then a lot of issues came up about you know, religion and uh, and how, you know, it uh, affected us as African-Americans. And so I, um, I I was just having a struggle, you know, uh, in my, my heart, my mind of how do I uh, worship the, the same God that, uh, you know, the slave masters children worshiped, uh, the, you know, the Ku Klux Klan worshiped, uh, you know, and so uh, I decided to walk away from uh, the church. And, uh, and so, but in my heart, I was thinking, well, God gave me this gift to use because I was singing in church and, uh, you know, use my voice for preaching and everything. And so I was like, if I don't uh, use it, I'm going to lose it. And so, uh, so that's uh, also uh, one of the decisions that uh, came to, uh, to play when I decided to do uh, secular music uh, was that I just didn't want to use, lose my voice. And so as a consequence, you know, the dare and then the fact that, uh, you know, I was, you know, I was coming into an adult and, and uh, you know, facing the world with all of these struggles and these things going on in my mind uh, and, uh, you know, deciding to walk away from, uh, you know, Christianity, uh, but yet uh, didn't want to lose, uh, you know, my God-given gift. And so I decided uh, that I would just uh, do a different kind of music. Okay. And since you had that musical background and you had all of that going on in your head uh, as far as uh, with your spirituality, when you began to record music, uh, did you find it difficult to go into that whole process of recording the music? What What was your mindset when you first began recording? Uh, well, I remember when I we first, the first record I did, uh, I was back there and I got in front of the microphone and I'm jumping up and down and I remember the producer's like, hey, man. They can't see that. Just stand there and sing, you know. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, because you know, you know, come from church where you kind of, you know, kind of move around when you you sing and stuff like that. And he's uh -huh. like, "You say that for the stage, right there. You just stand right there and sing." And so, but it was, you know, it was uh -huh. interesting. Yeah, you know, just uh, I, I, you know, I had a recorded, you know, like uh, uh, at home. Or, well, not at. Well, in a home, but not my home. I had a friend of mine that had a tape recorder and we go to his house and we'd record and, and you know, just kind of see how our voices sounded. So I had done that, you know, on a little small uh, tape recorder, but uh, but nothing like a, a studio. So it was a little intimidating, but uh, I managed to make it through. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Right. So, Lenny, so again, we want to welcome again to our podcast, uh, the Good Good Podcast. And, and this is what we do. We basically just talk about music. Uh, we have a theme and we have our little songs that we like as according to that theme. And again, that's our theme this week is our favorite love songs that are not entitled because I love you uh, by Lenny Williams. And you've given us your playlist. And we're going to get started uh, with that right now. That's OK with you? Yes, let's do it. All right. Kim, what's up first? Up first is the originals, Baby I'm For Real. The original. <laughs> but if you cry, I wonder why you cry. I tell you no lie. This is how 
John Lennon, we gotta, gotta make sure you understand that we can't play the Tyre song because of copyright or infringement uh, rules and whatnot. But however, um, you do get that idea. Um, again, that was the original Baby I'm For Real. Now, Lee, do you have any idea who this was written by? If Marvin, I Gaye. Marvin Gaye wrote that song. Absolutely, mm. Marvin Gaye. Marvin Gaye wrote that song. I asked Marvin, I asked him, I said, Marvin, that was my favorite song. I said, how in the world could you write a song like that and give it away? (laughs) I can't think of the name of the, uh, the, uh, uh, the lead singer for, uh, for the originals, but he said, when I wrote it, I had him in mind. And he said, so to me, it was his song. I wrote it for him. And uh, Marvin was a very generous person. And I never, you know, I never forget the, the 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 time I asked him. I was like, man, I just can't believe that that you would just give a song like that away. And he just said, no, it it really was. I wrote it, but it really wasn't my song. It was for you know for the the lead singer of the originals. Absolutely. It's also uh, co-written by his sister, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Uh, I'm not and, sure. I just knew that Marvin wrote it. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. Yeah, they've got uh, credit to uh, his sister Annie Gordy J. Uh, oh, no, that was his wife. Yeah, his wife. Excuse me, his wife. My, my apologies, yeah. his wife. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was released on Motown. It reached number one on the Black Singles chart and number 14 on the Pop Singles. And uh, Lenny, just tell us, why did you, why does, why this song? Why did you want this song um, on your playlist? Oh, well, there's a lot of things going on in my life at that time. Uh, and, well, the song was a fantastic song. There's just a lot of things going on in my life. Uh, like I said, I was just going through, you know, struggles, you know, with the, uh, uh, you know, my Christian walk. Uh, I uh, had uh, gotten a divorce from my first wife and, you know, and, and I'd be riding the car with my boys and that record would come on and, you know, I'd be singing it and everything. So just, uh, you know, besides just being a great song, you know, it was just a, a, just a, 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 a point in my life that uh, where there was a lot of changes going on. So whenever I would hear that, it would uh, kind of, you know, soothe the savage beast, so to speak. All right, wonderful, wonderful. Now, now what are we gonna go ahead, Kim? I'm sorry. Um, now this song has actually been remade several times. I think after Seven Ashley remade it, but uh-huh. I have to say the original by the originals is my favorite version. It's just pure, and and you could feel the emotion. The other ones were just trying to repeat what the originals did. <laughs> Absolutely. I gotta be honest, uh, Kim. You know, what I'm saying I, I love originality. I love the old school, but uh, hey, I like After Seven's version myself. I, I can't yeah, believe it. Yeah, I, I, I just yeah. do. I mean, I love the originals version, but I, I like. I don't know. There's something about it. I mean, is that's just me? You know, what I'm saying. I mean, I mean, you know, I like to defy the odds. I like to. <laughs> to try to t- test the waters a little bit, you know what I'm saying? But I mean, hey, but the originals, they did a fantastic job. I mean, I mean, I love the song. So, uh, hey, the originals, Baby, I'm for real. Classic. So, classic. Uh, yeah. So moving on, what we got next, Kim? Well, since it just so happened, since Marvin Gaye actually wrote um, Baby, I'm for real, the next is Distant Lover by Marvin Gaye, one of my favorite songs. Distant
this this song was from Marvin Gaye's album Let's Get It On. Um, this particular song peaked at number 28 on the pop charts and number 12 on the R&B pop charts in 1974. Now, actually, the uh, the live version of this uh, peaked higher. That's my favorite the, uh, version. My Absolutely. favorite version also. <laughs> now, Lenny, can you tell us where it was recorded at? Uh, I don't know. I, I, probably in L.A., I would imagine. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it was recorded at the Oakland Coliseum, the live version. Was. Oh, the live version. Yeah, matter of fact, my friend of mine uh, produced that, uh, promoted that show. Uh, yeah, right, in, uh, in Oakland. Yes, uh, right, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Now, let me ask you a question now, real quick. Now, what was your actual relationship between you and Marvin Gaye? Y'all pretty well, good friends? Or? No, we weren't best friends, but I remember meeting him. And the uh, first time I met him, he said to me, uh, 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 yeah, Gorgeous George. Uh, Gorgeous George is a, a, a designer that makes clothes. He said, yeah, Gorgeous George told me about you. And mm -hmm. uh, he says, uh, you don't never have to worry about me coming on behind you. <laughs> and I was thinking, I this guy's, you know, at, you know, uh, at the peak of his career, you know, and uh, that he was, uh, you know, just so humbled, you know, to, you know, try to give, you know, me some credit or, you know, you know, make me feel like that I was, um, uh, you know, uh, essential. And uh, so, but I found that to be true uh, uh, with a lot of the 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 early Motown artists, you know, that they were very, very humble, very accepting and uh, just knew how to meet people. Yeah. So, but, um, uh, you know, but we, uh, you know, we, we had a, a good relationship, you know, and we had a lot of fun together. Absolutely. All right. Now, now, Lady, now what we're going to do is we're going to get into uh, some songs from our playlist, uh, the songs that we like. Uh, again, our theme is our favorite love songs, not entitled Because uh, I Love You by Lenny Williams. And now we've heard a couple by you. Now let's get into our couple of our favorite songs. Okay. Um, probably maybe some of yours as well. Uh, Kim, what you got first? Well, it looks like this is going to be Isley Brothers' Groove With You. Now, oh, yeah. whose favorite song is that? That's mine. <laughs> really? <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, go ahead. What is Groove With You about? Really? <laughs> what? I was, I'm reading the lyrics. I've, I've, I've listened to this song several times, and I was like, hmm. <laughs> Sounds like he's just trying to get up with somebody. What does it sound like to you? <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, it sounds like, yeah. I don't think that I don't think they're thinking about making a pecan pie or nothing like that. I mean, uh. <laughs> I, I think somebody get up with somebody. But anyway, uh, that song is from the album Showdown, released in 1978. Uh, this song reached number 16 on the R&B charts, 
Uh, that particular song, Grew With You, reached number four on the pop charts. But the album, Showdown itself, actually reached number one as far as soul albums. Now, Lenny, uh, are you familiar with this song? Because it came out the same year as a very familiar song of yours as well. Yeah, um, yeah I love that song. Um, matter of fact, I just the last weekend I did a show down in Montgomery, Alabama with uh, the Isley Brothers and uh, Ron still sounds uh, the same, you know. Uh, got that beautiful voice, yeah. So, uh, yeah, but yeah, all of the Isaac Brothers songs, you know, they were, were outstanding. And uh, you, you, when I was making my list, it's just so many great songs, you know, just trying to figure, you know, what to, you know, what to leave off. You know, it's like, oh yeah, but yeah, that definitely uh, would uh, be one of my favorite songs too. Uh, that that's uh, not uh, called "Cause I Love You." Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, uh, this song has been sampled a couple times. Uh, um, one track that I remember, Isaac to Isaac. Uh, called Old School, uh, This that song was sampled. Uh, it, it's uh, charted pretty high as well. Um, Byron, what did you think of it? One of my favorites, all-time favorites. It's, it's actually a solid fixture in the soundtrack growing up. And the soundtrack uh, of the Black experience, honestly. Right, and when I create a, a Quiet Storm playlist, it's always included, definitely. Uh, all right, all right. So, Kim, what we got next? What's next is one of my favorites. Some may not know this song because this was playing on the jazz station in New York when I was out of college. But it's just a beautiful song by Phil Perry, Woman. Woman in the lonely days of winter as the wind cries out your name The flame of what we had still burns I don't understand, woman In my heart I try so hard to forgive you For the promise you made and broke But no my prayers, the silence hangs in the air, woman. So, have you heard this song before? I, yeah. uh, I, 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 I mean, I heard it when you when you decided to put out this, you know what I'm saying? I mean, um, when you decided to give the playlist, I had to, you know, of course I had to listen to it because, you know, a lot of the songs that you picked, Kim, uh, nobody knows but Kim, but I mean, it's, it's okay. okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's gonna be but good, I mean, though. <laughs> it's gonna be good, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful song, though, to say the least. I mean, beautifully written. I love the piano. There's nothing like a, a nice classical piano uh, in the background of a, of a song. I mean, now really about that piano, this is actually on keyboardist Don Grusin's album. So Phil Perry was actually just featured on his album. So this is actually a Don Grusin song, but uh, Phil Perry tore this song up. <laughs> yeah. Um, Phil Perry originally used to sing with the Montclairs from 1971 to 1975. He was also known for performing the opening song to Disney sitcom Goof Troop. Yeah. And I want I will add this: as beautiful as this song is, it's a, more of a breakup or release type of song, yeah. and it <laughs> builds up. And it's 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 it kind of factors into one of my favorite songs that we'll probably we will be talking about later. But 
it sounds so sweet at the beginning mm -hmm. and it just kind of builds and builds and builds to the point you're you're at that that standpoint of Phil Perry's signature where you know he's just belting belting at the end and it, it really stands out as a, it's a solid performance Lenny um have you ever worked with Phil Perry I have I worked with him quite a few times uh yeah Phil's a very interesting guy he's from uh, East St. Louis and uh uh and, uh, you know, he, he, he can really talk, you know, you got to sit down and buck yourself uh, down when you're ready to have a conversation <laughs> with Phil Perry. Uh, but uh, excellent singer, uh, real funny guy and, uh, you know, a good person. Yeah, I I've never heard that song either. I love this song like I did. I love this song. <laughs> All right. What's next, Kim? Yes. Next up, another soundtrack to our blackness. Mm. It's LTD Love Ballad. Favorites, yes. 1976. Absolutely. 1976. Um, when Jeffrey Osborne was the lead singer of LTD from their album Love to the World, um, a huge R&B hit for them. I believe it went to number one, and uh, it spent some time on the hot 100s. I think peaking at number 20, maybe, or the top 20. I'm sure, but. Um, when I think of Quiet Storm, this this was something that was always played. Even you know, you can re remember you know around our aunts and uncles, you know, mm -hmm. parents, yep. and our moms. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> this this was always a staple. This song, absolutely. Uh, you gotta love Jeffrey Osborne. Uh, mm -hmm. Jeffrey has that soothing uh, voice. No offense to you, Lenny. You're the man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but Jeffrey has a very soothing voice. I mean, I love this song. Like you say, when you talk about Quiet Storm, when you talk about slow jams, I mean, this has got to be one of the ones that's on your um, playlist. So, again, you know, I, I love this this ballad. Kim? Uh, Mr. Woo Woo Woo. Goodness. Yeah, him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle James's favorite song. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yes, LTD. Um, but a lot of people didn't realize that Mr. Woo 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 was um, the lead singer of LTD. Mm -hmm. So, and Lenny, did you get a chance to work with, uh, have you ever worked with Jeffrey Osborne or LTD at any point? Yeah, quite a few times here yeah, with uh, Jeffrey and LTD. Uh, Jeffrey was a drummer mm -hmm. and uh, for the band. Oh. Yeah, right. Yeah. And uh, oh. distinguished himself as a as a fantastic uh, singer, yeah, right, yeah. So, yeah, so yeah, that's that's one of my favorites. Actually, one of my sons uh, sang that to his wife on his uh, wedding day. Yeah. Oh. Wow. Okay. 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 Oh, so okay. How, how, how many kids do you have? Children? Did you? Have? Uh, five. Yeah. Yeah. Five. Mm -hmm. And um, are they all involved in the, in the industry? 
in any kind uh, of way? Re- not really. Uh huh. Yeah, they all do different things. Uh huh. But uh, you know, I do have a couple. Two of my sons sing. Yes. Okay. Very nice. Cool. So now, what we're gonna do now, Lenny, is we're gonna take a pause and we're gonna listen to some of your music uh, that you've been featured in or that you've done over the last several years, um, and just just enjoy it. Okay. Um, Kim, what you got first? So we're gonna start with Tower of Power, which I did not know that you. No, seen. none of us knew. Mm-hmm. Oh, I knew. What you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Now, check it out now, Lenny, check it out. Now, as I'm listening to that, I just remembered um, one of my favorite songs by this group was You're Still a Young Man. Now, are you are you on that song? I didn't sing the original, but I did a version of it, yeah, on uh, one of the CDs uh, we did in New York. Uh, yes, uh, yeah. Okay. Kim, Kim and Bernie, y'all familiar with that song? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, you are, no. yes, you are. You're still a young man, baby. Okay, I, knew, I remember that version now. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you just let us get the snippet of it? I'd rather hear I that. Know. Right, I know. <laughs> I just thought about it. I mean, you, y'all know how we do, man. Yeah. You know, when we get to talk, talking about stuff, stuff just kind of comes up with it. But, I mean, hey, it is what it is, man. You say you're not on the original, Lenny? Pardon you said you're no, not I'm not on the original, original. right, yes, right, uh, version of that, but I did sing a version of that, yes, uh, a studio version, yes. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I just love this song because it's, it's to me, a sunny day song. I, I, I picture someone driving with pastures around them, sun shining, yeah. with the, probably in a convertible you know, or yeah. whatever, and just enjoying what life is giving at the that's moment. That's a joyful it, it, song. It, 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 yes. it really is. It really power is. Power of power. It's, that's why it's from the Tower of Power. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, Lenny, you, I mean, that, your vocals, I mean, you helped make that song their biggest hit to date. That's their, their biggest hit to date. So Yeah, so very hard to go, yeah. And then I think the second biggest uh, single that they had was uh, Don't Change Horses in the Middle of the Stream, which I sang mm-hmm. and I wrote with uh, Johnny Guitar Watson. Okay. Outstanding. But that's the thing. It wasn't until I listened to it again that now I hear, Lenny, I can hear that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I do have a quick question for you, Lenny. Um, You know, since you were working with Tower of Power and after you did the three albums with them, when you decided to leave initially, did you have in mind what type of sound you wanted for yourself after working with them? I think I did, yeah. I mean, uh, I... I was working on an album while I was with them. So I had an idea of the sound I was looking for. I'm not sure that I captured it, uh, but eventually I did, you know, when I started working with Frank Wilson, who was a Motown producer and, uh, you know, and did, uh, you know, uh, the uh, Choosing You album. And, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, sometimes take a little time to develop, you know, 
and capture what you, you know, what you're looking for. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. So what else we got, Ken? So we're going to go back with one of Lenny's favorites. And it's one that we all should know from the great Smokey Robinson. Oh, yeah. Baby Baby by Smokey Robinson. Smoke, of course, we all know Smokey Robinson was a pillar uh, in the Motown, uh, the making of Motown, what it was back in the uh, late 50s, early 60s. Um, that particular song right there uh, was released uh, in 1965. Uh, it went as far as number, high as number four on the R&B charts, number 16 on the top 100. But what boggles my mind about this song, the Rolling Stones made this song number 266 of the top 500 greatest songs of all time. So how is that song <laughs> <laughs> in the top 500 and Cause I Love You by Lenny Lynch not? Explain that one to me, Lenny. I don't know. I mean, I guess uh, probably record sales, you know, things of that nature, you know, and so... Uh, a lot of a lot of factors go into it. I'll, you know who, uh, you know who made the list. You know who contributed. You know to uh, you know the, you know the list and things of that nature. So uh, you know it's just uh, everybody. You know has their own uh, songs that they like, and I'm sure that you know somebody else would compile a list, and maybe that song wouldn't even be on the list. So you know it's uh, it's uh, you know it's uh, I guess it's just uh, you know people like what they like. Honestly, I think I, I'm sorry, Kim. Well, I was gonna say honestly, my favorite cover is done by Linda Ronstadt in 1978. That was my mm -hmm. favorite version, mm -hmm. outside of the the Miracles um, original. Uh, the Rolling Stones, mm, I, I think, because they were the Stones, you know, they were they had that huge name, and that's that's what carried them. But Linda Ronstadt, to me, did a solid cover of this one. Now, my question is. Um, when Cause I Love You came out compared to when Steve Harvey had it on the Kings of Comedy, did the notoriety or the, um, did you become more famous then than you were before? Well, I had kind of dropped out of music. You know, uh, I'd say me and music had a falling out, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so it wasn't just that I just quit, you know, just my phone just kind of stopped ringing, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I was, you know, doing other things. And then when uh, Steve Harvey did the Kings of Comedy, then, you know, people started like, where's Lenny, you know, what's he doing, you know? Uh, and then, you know, people started calling me and I actually hadn't done a gig in maybe a few years. And uh, people started calling and then I, you know, started taking gigs and, uh, then they say, you know, I was in a play, you know, uh, <laughs> and then, you know, just, you know, the whole world kind of opened up, you know, so, um, 
Yeah, most definitely, uh, you know, uh, getting that kind of attention, um, you know, the song and then me as the singer and then, you know, subsequently people found out I was a songwriter and a publisher, you know, so it did brought a lot of attention my way and it brought a lot, a lot of activity to my mailbox as well, you know, <laughs> right, right, getting those right. checks in the mail, yeah. I'm That's sure. the best kind of attention there. That's yeah. a great activity. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Definitely. so yes. So, why did you um? So, why why did you like this particular song, um, by Smoke? Baby, baby. Well, that yeah. song came out, um, and um, and those types of songs like that, uh, you know, uh, were the, you know, the first songs that you slowed it in my era that we slow danced on. You know, so yeah. you know, it's like, oh, ooh, baby, baby, come on. You know, you get a chance to slow dance and get close and snuggle up, you know, and, you know, just try to, you know, see what you could, what you could do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Lenny was trying to get his freak on. That's what it was going. That was the back in the days where they were really smooth about how they wanted to ask you to get their freak on. Not like today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, now uh, we're going to jump back into uh, our playlist, uh, Lenny. Um, what you got for us, Kim? So in the same respect of Ooh Baby Baby, um, and going back to what Marcus said, I have a tendency to pick songs that nobody else has heard of and that you only know if you have the album. So this one is Tony, 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 Holy Smokes and Gee Whiz. Love it. One of my favorite songs that you had to know, the only knew if you had this album. My favorite album by them, too. Yes, it is. Your best album. because I love this song so much. So, but we're going to talk about Tony, Tony, Tony. Tony, Tony, Tony is one of those groups that takes things back to the way things were when a band actually played music and almost everybody in the group could sing and really put their all into their music. And it's not the synthesized mess or, or auto-tune like you hear now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Holy Smokes and G Wiz was the eighth track from Tony Tony Tony's final album House of Music in 1996, which I believe is their best album ever. They were in the pocket. Yeah, yes, it was. And it just is it's one of those songs with a hint of old school flavor with vocals from that that took you back to kind of that that hot high falsetto from the stylistics. If you listen to the whole song, I wish I could play the whole song for you. Second verse. <laughs> <laughs> honey, honey. But <laughs> I wish I could play the whole song for you because you could hear the old school love in there. This is a beautiful love song. A hidden gem. I, I agree with you. It's a hidden gem. And I'm surprised that it, well, it was never released as an official single. It's, it's, it's a different type of strong structure but still I, I think it would have been a great single i hear it on quiet storms uh especially here in the washington dc area but yeah it, it's just one of those 
hidden gems. And I, I think that once someone hears the song, they will instantly become a Tony, Tony, Tony fan and want for more. And unfortunately, so far, that's the final album with the original um, format of the group. But um, yeah, a, a great, great selection there. Absolutely. Now, Lenny, um, have you ripped with uh, Raphael Sadiq or Dwayne Wiggins or either one of those artists? Yeah, as a matter of fact, I just did a, it was in the studio last year with uh, uh, with Raphael, and I see Dwayne all the time. And, you know, they went to our church. You know, I, I knew them when they were just little boys, Carl Wheeler, Dwayne, Raphael, Timmy. Yeah, right. Yeah, so they all, uh, we wow. all went. They went to church wow. with their parents and uncles and aunts and everything like that. Yeah, yeah, and saw them uh, grow up and become what they what they are. Yeah, something about Oakland. I swear, all of that yeah. talent coming out of Oakland. Yeah, Oakland, California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I guess it's safe to say maybe Oakland was kind of like the Detroit of the West Coast for the most part. You could probably say that uh, you know, we didn't really have the record companies. Uh, you know, most everybody went somewhere. They went to L.A. or New York or something. But, uh, you know, we did have a couple of record companies uh, here. But, uh, you know, most definitely the, the talent. Uh, I mean, half the people in Princess Bama from Oakland, uh, you know, um, you know, you know, so uh, just uh, just a breeding ground for uh, you know great musicians. Yeah. Okay, now, since you mentioned Prince, Sheila E. actually played percussions on this album for them. So, which, of course, Sheila E. was one of um, Prince's percussionists and ex-girlfriend, if you want to call her that. But, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Prince but yes, yes. And actually, Tony, Tony, Tony actually was playing for Prince at one time. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Amazing. Yeah. That's pretty pretty cool. But I think it's interesting that a lot of the songs that we picked, you almost worked with each and every one of them. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've yeah. been around. Yeah, I've been out here fifty something years. So you know, I've uh, you know, had the opportunity to meet uh, and uh, you know, work with a lot of people. Yeah. Okay. Good. So what's next, Kim? So next is Mr. Barry White. I've got so much love to give. Whose song is that? You better believe. Hey, show you right. Show you right. The maestro himself, Barry White, I've got so much love to give. This was released back uh, in 1973 from the self-titled album, I've Got So Much Love to Give, uh, which peaked at the number one at, on the R&B charts, the number three on the top 100. And Barry White is my self-proclaimed godfather, man. I mean, you would never find a man as big as he was, as smooth as he was, and with the <laughs> voice uh, that he had. But what really appealed to me about uh, Barry White, you know, we talk about bands and people having that, that sound of a band. You got your guitars, your, your percussion, and, and, your, um, and things of that nature. But Barry White, this mm -hmm, had an orchestra. 
Yes, he did. You hear me? He had an orchestra, man. And I mean, and you, that's never been done again. I mean, I don't think in history, but to have a, a, a black man singing that, that I can think of that's saying R&B music to have an actual orchestra with flutes and clarinets and, and all kinds of stuff was really, really what set him apart from a lot of other artists. Now, Lenny, of course, I'm going to ask you, um, did you get a chance to work with Barry at any time? Well, I, I never. I mean, I did show with him, but uh, never got a chance to work with him in the studio. But uh, but we were friends. Very Barry was a very uh, interesting person, you know. Uh, you know, just a regular, regular dude, you know. And uh, see him at the studio, running around Los Angeles when I lived down in Hollywood. And uh, you know, just uh, hey, what's up? You know, just uh, you know, he might have his rollers in his head, you know, whatever, you know. Oh wow! And, uh, just, uh, just an interesting cat. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just uh, very humble and, uh, you know, super, 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 super talented. And, um, you know, just, uh, you know, and I've, I've got to be good friends with Gene Page, who did all of his uh, string arrangements. And, uh, you know, so Gene Page uh, did all of the arrangements for uh, Barry White's music, and all, of, all of his big hits. And uh, so they were a dynamic uh, duo, for sure. Oh, okay. Kim, what you take of the song? I mean, like you said, the fact that he, like nowadays when they have strings or anything like that, that's all synthesized or coming out of the, the computer or their keyboard. But Barry had his own actually string quartet or string string section. Um, Barry was ahead of his time and definitely one of the underdogs, not really an underdog, but he's He's a little bit unsung to me because he should have definitely been more mainstream because he could had one of the deepest voices out there ever. Number one, no one else sang like him or sounded like him or ever did since then, really. So I, Barry is one of those unsung. Magnificent. He's definitely a pioneer. Yeah. I'm sorry, Marcus. What were you going to say? I was just going to say Kim. Had an orchestra. I know. <laughs> he was so right. I know. <laughs> I know. He, had, he had an orchestra. The he Love had, Unlimited had, Orchestra. Yeah. That's, I mean, dope. he was on some Pavarotti, Pavarotti Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know what? Yeah, Even with that orchestra, I believe he was catered, uh, considered the start of disco um, with that, um, with, with the Love Unlimited Orchestra. With one of their selections, one of their songs. Um, what was that, was that song? There was a song that it was like a whole like ten minute piece that was mm -hmm. all music. Was yeah. it let the music play? Was it let the music play? Lenny, what I was it? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. Uh, love theme, I thought. Right? Was it the love, love theme? theme? Yeah, yeah, it's love theme. Yeah, yeah. The love theme. That that's right. Yeah, that's that's mm -hmm. it. That's it. That's yeah. it. Mm -hmm. I think that that's considered the very first. That's in like what 1973. That's considered like one the very first disco song, and then you know those in Europe and here in the United States, of course. But they jumped onto that sound with the lush strings and orchestra sound behind the, the nice little four four beat. Okay, all right. So, what we got next, Kim? Up next, Pad Patty. <laughs> Patty.
to the black experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, a huge hit for Patti LaBelle. That was I'm my favorite, you, by the way. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you stopped it, Kim, because Byron was about to start crying, man. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, this, this, this is the song that... <laughs> This, this is a journey song, and the you know, Phil Perry song falls under this category, too, because it's very soft and smooth at the beginning, and it just kind of mm-hmm. builds up. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, that's, that's a powerful performance alone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Vocal, vocal I performance mean, alone. you know, Patty's going to bring a powerful performance, even if she's singing ABC 123. <laughs> you believe her. Yeah. By the time she hits that, that those last high notes, mm-hmm. you really believe this is how she feels, and you know, hopefully, you know who she was singing to got it, and um, they made beautiful music together for a while or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. They made beautiful. They made beautiful something. Now, Lenny, did she? Uh, <laughs> did she take a page from your book or something? You know, that um, that actually, that's one of my favorite favorite songs of all time. I don't even know why I didn't pick that song. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, Patti LaBelle's just awesome artist. I've done a lot of shows with her. I remember I was on the road with uh, her, uh, me, her, and Richard Pryor. Richard was the headliner, so I would go on first. Patti would go on, and then Richard. So we hit uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, oh. and uh, and Cause I Love You was like the number one song down there. So this lady was promoting the show and she said, okay, tonight, the way the show gonna go is Patty going on, then Lenny and then Richard. Patty's like, oh no, that's not the way it is. We've been going all over the country and this is the way it is. And they said, no, this is where it's gonna be. So then Patty calls Richard. So we downstairs, Richard said, no, it's gonna be Lenny, Patty, and then me. And the lady said, no, because if these people, people in Baton Rouge, they come late. And if they, they come and Lenny don't and they don't hear that Cause I Love You song, they're going to tear this place up. So then Richard's like, the hell with it. I'm going back upstairs and do what I do. Right. He went back upstairs <laughs> and probably, you know, you know what Richard probably was doing. Oh, yeah. So, uh, praying. He went praying. Right. So <laughs> it turned out that uh, yeah. Yeah. Patty went on. And I'm thinking. The lady wasn't doing me no favor because what singer in their right mind want to come on behind Patty LaBelle, right? Yeah. I know, right? Right. Yes, right, right. right. But you can only Rita Franklin or somebody like that. You know what I mean? And so, uh, and so Patty went on, then me, and I survived, and then Richard. Yeah. So that was my Patty LaBelle story. But that song is actually one of my favorite songs of all time, and I always wanted to uh, to do a version of it. Yeah. Mm. Lady, I will say my alma mater is in Baton Rouge, mm-hmm. and um, I can honestly say your song, Because I Love You, was mm. always a, a crowd favorite, yeah. no matter what event, party mm-hmm. I, I was at uh-huh. during that time frame, whenever it came on, people right. went in, even mm-hmm. even going to clubs where you know, they would have performances or people lip syncing, right. they would tear that song up so yes I, I, yeah. I can attest to that truth there that you just spoke yes I, I remember that, that uh, vividly yeah yeah and I'm gonna piggyback on that um since we talked since we're talking about because I love you again it's your, your biggest hit to date um I, I remember the first time I heard that song I was driving home I, I'm from a little small town called Blakely Georgia and I was driving home on the back dirt roads I don't know if you I'm pretty sure you had a couple of those in Little Rock, Arkansas. Um, and I remember hearing this song 
And honest to God, I pulled the car over. Mm. I, I pulled the car over because the emotions that you were singing in that song, I, I mean, I just, I don't know. I was trying to figure out like, wow, who did it to him? <laughs> so, <laughs> so as I say that, as I say that, I want to know, Lenny, who did it to you? That mm -hmm. caused all those emotions to go into that song. <laughs> well, you know, uh, that song was a combination of some of the things I was going through, but, you know, just me and my friends, you know, watching my friends break up and be in relationships and how they acted and, you know, try to act like, you know, nonchalant like it wasn't mm -hmm. you know nothing wasn't going on but you know you know it's like yeah but uh your shirt did you did you wear some lemonade on your shirt or what are those tears <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, i get shared all way <laughs> yeah right yeah so but uh yeah so you know, it was just um and then the day i sang it i was uh down in uh hollywood to singing and and frank wilson was producing he said hey i talked to andre cross today him and his sister sandra want to come by and uh, check out, check you out in the studio today. So I'm, I'm singing the song and Andre Crouch is looking at me, you know, I'm looking at Andre Crouch. He's looking at me, you know, the greatest, you know, gospel, you know, a writer and arranger, you know, uh, at that time. And, uh, you know, so I had to, you know, I'm trying to make Andre want to put some money in the church basket. Right. You know, so I had to dig down deep and uh, put all the emotion it. I could into that song. Ah. Oh. And I love it. You did a fantastic job of that. Again, again, it's a cult classic among the African-American culture. And um, it being featured uh, on the Kings of Comedy actually bridged the gap between different uh, generations. Um, uh, how does that make you feel, you know, being able to do that, to, to kind of bridge the gap between different generations by that one song? I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's a humbling, you know, humbling thing, you know, just to think, you know, um, why me, you know, uh, you know, why God let me write that song with my friend, Michael Bennett, you know, why, you know, I mean, I did the song twice, you know, I, uh, I did it once and didn't have the talking in it, you know, then I came back and did it again, you know, and put the talking in it, uh, you know, just, uh, just a whole sequence of things, uh, you know, uh, how, how, you know, how it happened that it never was a single uh, that it distinguished itself, you know, to become, you know, this uh, great uh, song that, you know, that so many people love. And, uh, you know, I'm just, you know, just thankful, you know, thankful that, uh, you know, that I was the uh, the vehicle, you know, that uh, that the song came through. Lady, I, I do have a question. When Kanye West um, used it for Twista's song, uh -huh. um, what was that like? when you heard that, when you heard how that song was used and uh, what what was that process like? What, did he contact you before using it or did you, have, or you all have to backtrack to get the proper um, accreditation? Well I, well, I have an administrator who administrates the song for me. Okay. You know, and so, um, so I really had no idea because they don't really call me a lot of times. They'll just say, you know, uh, somebody wants to do a song, you know, whatever. And so, um, so first time I heard it, uh, you know, it's like, I was like, I tell a joke. I said, damn, they had me sound like a chipmunk in the back, right? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I, I got, I, I got my first royalty statement and I got a check for 99,000 for, for, wow. for writing the song. And then I got a check for 99,000 for being the publisher of the song. I said, so I say, 
I'll be sitting off for that kind of money, right? Yeah, yeah. uh, But uh, yeah, I mean, it was just awesome. And then you know, then uh, Scarface sampled it, and just you know, just went on and on and on. Yeah, so uh, you know, just uh, you know, but now things like that don't really happen with songs because of the streaming things like that. You know, uh, I mean, I probably just offered that one song that Kanye did and them did probably made half a million bucks. I don't, you know, I don't think a song could do that nowadays uh, with the advent of streaming, you know, because you don't really get, you maybe get half a penny for, hmm. uh, you know, for uh, maybe a thousand streams, maybe just only be a penny or, you know, so. Those, uh, you know, so I would think I would think yeah. they would uh, pay the artists um, up front heavily. Uh, nowadays, with the streaming, the original artists, like when it comes to sampling, I would think that would be in place. But I, I guess that's still some type of legislation that needs to happen under that regard. It's still mm-hmm. evolving. It's a, it's, it's a process, you know. It's a process. I believe at some point in time, you know, it'll it'll level out. But uh, but uh, yeah, it's a. Uh, you know, the royalty checks are, they, you know, they're still good, but, uh, but they're so not, uh, you know, we're not as good as they used to be. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Well, anyway, wow. well, let's get back into the music, shall we? Mm. Uh, Kim, uh-huh. uh, give us one of uh, Lenny's songs that uh, he- Just so happens, I have a Kenny G featuring Lenny Williams, and I have um... a confession to make after I play this. Oh boy. <laughs> Don't make me wait for love this time Darling, a love like this is hard to find Don't make me wait for love Now, Lenny? Yes. I used to hear this song all the time, and I am so sorry. I thought that was Peebo Bryson. Yeah. <laughs> I I'm so wow. sorry. Wow. I give all props to you, Lenny, because I loved this song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was awesome me. Song. Yeah. 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 So what came, how did that song come, how did you get to work with uh with the likes of McKinney G? How does that happen? Uh, I was just riding down the street one day and my beeper went off and I pulled over to a phone well, before uh, cell phones and I pulled over to a pay phone and called and there uh, was a friend of mine saying that uh, Narda Michael Walden, a uh, great producer, was uh, producing Aretha Franklin and that uh, Clive Davis had uh, asked him if he could uh, produce this uh, saxophone player that had been produced by Najee uh, mm-hmm. and uh, you're going to give him one more shot. And uh, so... Uh, and since I had been in Tower Power and sang with all the horns, they thought it might be a, a good pairing. So I went over and my friend Preston Glass was uh, producing uh, the song for Norda and uh, working with Norda. And uh, we just did the song. And uh, next thing I know, you know, the album sold 16 million copies. Right? Yeah. 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 That was the lead single from that Door Tones album of Kenny G. And I, I, I was telling, uh, I can't remember if it was Cam or Marcus. We were talking about this song. Um, this used to be on a regular rotation 
mm-hmm. for me, like every night sleeping when I was in the Navy <laughs> on my CD player or whatever, or tape deck that I had. Um, I just love this record. It was it's it's one of those soothing, relaxing songs. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it it solidifies like when I think of smooth jazz, I think of this particular song. When it, vocally, when it, when I when I think of vocal smooth jazz, this was like the instrument for that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to thank you for your contribution in the song because the song wouldn't have been what it is or was without your vocals, without you being on it. You know, Kenny G can blow as much as he wants, but your vocals carry the song to, what, number two on the adult contemporary charts yeah. um, at the time. And it was a huge, um, it, I think it, it did well on the Hot 100, too. Yeah, it did. I think it went to number, I think it was like number 16 or something like that, number mm-hmm. 16 or something like that. Maybe, uh, may, no, I think it was 15. number 15. Yeah, number mm-hmm. 15. And uh, yeah, I remember Casey Kasem called me and said, "If it goes number ten, we're gonna have you on this, whatever." And I was like, "Put him for it," but it you know didn't make it. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. Yeah, but the, Casey Kasem. Yeah, yeah. I, know, wow. I know. I know. Right. Yeah. And you also mentioned uh, Naji. That's a name we haven't heard mm-hmm. in a long time. In a long time. So uh, mm-hmm. hey, good. You got a chance to work with those people. So uh, hey, let's get back into um, Lenny's uh, playlist. Uh, what we got next, Cam? <laughs> Well, The Godfather of Soul, the most beggingest song I ever heard in my life, but, it was <laughs> <laughs> but he got his point across, didn't he? Yeah, he did. <laughs> please, 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 please. Again, the Godfather Soul may rest in peace. Uh, one of the greatest uh, singers, entertainers, period, uh, ever to grace the face of the earth. James Brown uh, on that one. Uh, this song reached number six on the R&B charts, number 19 on the pop charts. Uh, I can see the Turner actually did a remake of this song. Mm-hmm. Um, but Lenny, uh, what was the, such a, what was so appealing uh, about this song that you wanted to put it on your playlist? Well, I remember when I was in junior high school, everybody's parents said, you can't listen to please, please, please. Because everybody was crunching and grinding and slow dancing. And oh, Lord, it's like a whole bunch of girls, uh, you know, got pregnant. You know, um, I think everybody was their first experience. I mean, it was like literally, Richard was getting up in church talking about, y'all kids can't be listening to please, please, please. Because they turn that red light on and you get in the corner and get to, grinding and carrying on and scrunching, uh, you know, uh, we was, you know, we was, we was trying to get it, you know, and, uh, and, uh, you know, so it was just uh, intriguing, you know, it was, it was like, they put that on, and, Lord have mercy. I, I need, I need to fan myself right now. Just stop. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, that was an amazing, amazing song. And I just couldn't believe it. I listen back, I think about it now. I mean, the whole, I, didn't, I, don't, you know, I was living in California, but it was like the whole thing. Everybody's parents was like, Yo, don't let your kids listen to please, please, please. Because it was like, they knew what was going to happen. Yeah. And of course, the kids are going to listen to it. Yes. Uh, yes. Right. There's a bunch they of kids about right. 50, 60 years old right now that, that owes their life to James Brown. And exactly. Please, right. please, and please, please. Because it worked. <laughs> <laughs> so what we got next, uh, uh, Kim? Okay. Up next, after all of this, um, another unsung group that I love, but this isn't actually one of my favorites, The Whispers in the Mood. Let me do things my So I, I picked that song because, you know, it takes me to a, back to that place. You remember when um, Video Soul was on, still on the air, and, you know, I used to love the, the video treatment uh, for different songs. And I think this, this video, the video treatment that this particular song had um, captured the mood of, of the message that they were trying to communicate. And so, um, I don't know, it just, it's just one of those solid records that paints a picture of that perfect even that you want to create for someone. Mm -hmm. And when you're, when you're very good at doing that. Yeah. If, and it was written by Babyface, So, you know, of course it, it, it captures the, uh, the essence of, you know, the, the flavor that Babyface brings to his, his music. Um, surprisingly, it wasn't a huge, huge, I mean, it was big for R&B. Well, I mean, to me, it should be at the top of the, the list of all slow jam playlists. That's what I'm talking about. The whispers are unsung because all of their songs all have that that very smooth, melodic, um, relaxing vibe to it. And and um, I, I can't think of not one other song. Even um, Rock Steady. Remember Rock Steady? Yeah, same album. Exactly. Even that one um, was one of those songs where you could just really vibe to, and the whispers don't get as much credit as they should. Okay, all right. Well, uh, guys, uh, uh, let's go to to the last song on Lenny's playlist. Uh, I think it's Aretha Franklin. All right. We have a problem.
again, that's Aretha Franklin. Absolutely. Um, Ain't No Way by Aretha Franklin. Again, that was written actually by her uh, her younger sister, Carolyn Franklin. Uh, it peaked at number 16 on the Hot 100, number nine on the R&B charts. Now, if you would have played it like a, a couple of seconds longer, uh, you hear the false set of it. And that wonderful voice is none other than Sissy Houston. Uh, mm -hmm. Mother up of Whitney Houston uh, with the upper range. Now, now, Lenny, tell us about this. And let me guess, you were you were bumping the ground on this song too? Uh, no, I was a little bit later. I was, uh, I think I was uh, going all the way on this one, but going all the way then by that time. Yeah. But uh, I, I met, a, I first met Aretha Franklin when I was about uh, thirteen, and her father was traveling and preaching, and our choir, uh, uh, you know, sang. A background for her and then eventually uh i uh, got a chance to go on tour with her and uh we became very good friends and i remember i was doing a play with uh, billy d williams in detroit and uh so this truck pulls up and out comes this aretha really loved flowers right she loved giving him uh, this bouquet of assorted flowers uh for billy d williams it looked like she probably spent maybe you know eight five eight hundred five eight hundred Five hundred to eight hundred dollars for it, and so the guy goes back and he comes out with this giant bouquet of red roses. Looked like maybe she might have spent about fifteen hundred on it, and it was for me, right? And wow. so my wife was with me. My wife was like, "Oh hell no, that roses mean something," you know. Uh, I said, "What's well, so the thing? I don't give a, you know, you know." She was hot, and I said, "What? Well, I might have to take one for the queen, you know, you know." And uh, but so it was just a kind of running joke in our family that um, my wife was uh, jealous because the queen of soul gave me a, you know, fifteen hundred dollars worth of red roses. But uh, I always I loved all of Aretha's uh, songs, and uh, and definitely uh, "Ain't No Way" was one of my my favorites, and um, and just. Uh, honored that, that we got a chance to, you know, become, you know, really good friends. And, uh, you know, so she uh, just touched me in a way that, you know, that she touched, you know, so many people, you know. Lenny, have you seen the movie Respect? I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it yet, but I, I plan to, to watch it. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. Like when she, when they showed her recording this song, how she had her sister sing out the cadence mm -hmm. of how it should be sung just initially under over the, uh, instrumentation when she just joined it with the beat of her hand yeah. uh -huh. but then Aretha did her magic at the piano and made it something completely bountiful even even more right. so so yeah. um I do have a question like when it comes to um you you were classically trained in band and or at an early age but when it came to recording some of your music or when you had the initial concept of a song did you all have a cadence type of meetings just to come up with the concept or was it always structured to where you sat down with a pianist or other musicians and just made it organically happen? Just kind of go for it. Oh. Just kind of like turn the music on, let me let me do what I do, you know, kind of thing like that. Uh, you know, certain songs, you know, like What Is Hip that I did with Child Power, you know, that were more uh, band oriented. You know, of course, I had to kind of like, you know, uh, structure my uh, you know, performance around that. But you know, generally, I kind of like songs that, uh, you know, got nice chords, you know, to bring out, you know, the emotion, you know, uh, you know, kind of make you feel like you <clears throat> at church or you want to want to go somewhere near there and then, uh, you know, try to blend it. You know, so I, I, um, 
sometimes if I'm in a studio and I can't hear, you know, a, a certain interval between something, I might go to the piano and then I can, I can see it. And then, uh, you know, then I can perform it. But uh, generally I just try to just, uh, you know, just uh, get in where I fit in and, uh, you know, and then, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, what I do, uh, you know, makes this, the song better. Oh, now, Lenny, now, Lenny we, we do understand that you've uh, you got another engagement that you've got to go to. And we yes. thank you so much uh, for being on our podcast. But before you go, we got to know, uh, do you have any other projects uh, that's coming out that we should look forward to? Yeah, I've been working with uh, Levi Caesar, uh, who was uh, uh, the guitar player for Prince in the New Power Generation Band. And we've been doing some music. I've uh, got a song out called um, uh, Tonight. We've got a, a new song uh, uh, called Fine that we uh, uh, just uh, did. And, you know, so we're just working on new music, uh, you know, uh, in the studio, uh, you know, goofing around and seeing what we come up with. And uh, so we're excited about all the, the new music that we've been doing lately. Mm -hmm. Speaking Absolutely. of fine, great album from last year. I like that. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You also have a single. You also have a new single out called Southern Girl, if I'm not mistaken. Southern that? Girl. Yeah. Levi and I did that. Yeah. So you know, we just uh, been uh, you know just working, you know, uh, writing writing music and uh, you know doing our thing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Again, ladies and gentlemen, I guess this week on the Week Got the Good Good Experience podcast. The, uh, the legendary Mr. Lenny Williams. Thank you so much uh, for taking the time out for being with us today. We really, really appreciate thank it. Thank you. Thank and, you. And uh, we wish you the best of luck on all your endeavors going forward. And again, we just thank you from the bottom of my heart. Okay. God bless you, you all. God bless you all. And uh, all, all y'all cousins, huh? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yes. Uh, and <laughs> first cousin. First cousin. Uh, yeah. First cousin. <laughs> I appreciate y'all. Y'all be good. You guys got a head of, uh, you guys got a wealth of knowledge about music. I was just, uh, uh, just uh, so impressed, you know, you know, who wrote the songs and all the other kind of stuff and everything who produced whatever. So uh, it's a, uh, it was a rewarding uh, experience for me today and I hope to come back again. All right. Most Thank definitely. You. You're welcome. We welcome you You're back. part of the family yeah. now. Oh yeah. Most definitely. I'm a cousin too. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. You're a brown. Yeah. You're a brown. <laughs> Be good now. God bless you. All right. Take bless care. you. Take care. Take care. Bye now. Love you too. Bye. All right. Bye. Well, that All was right. wonderful. That was that wonderful. Was well, we have one more song since he led us into this, where he's going to be recording with one of Prince's previous um, um, bandmates with the New Power Generation. The next song, actually, the one of my last love songs is none other than Adore. Mm. Mm. Prince's masterpiece album, Sign of the Times, in 1987, most of the one of the most well-known love songs in the Black community. Adora is a song by Prince, and of course, the love of my life. And <laughs> <laughs> and um, yes, this song 
There are no words. No okay. one has ever come anywhere near to singing anything close to this. I love this man so much. This anyway. is a solid example. <laughs> Look, this is a solid example of hitting gems on an album. Mm. Um, and, and, and a testament for all of us to those who may not be aware with albums, some of the best music is not necessarily released as an official single. Exactly. And, and will carry the album. Yeah, absolutely. I told this is one of my favorite songs about Prince. Uh, I didn't realize it, it hadn't been a, an official single, but again, this is my favorite uh, love song by Prince. So again, you know, the song speaks for itself. I mean, uh, you know, just a great vibe by Prince. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. Great it selection. So that, um, radio stations were just playing it. It wasn't even released mm-hmm. as a single. They heard it and were like, oh, I'm playing this. <laughs> yeah. so, and you know what? And that happens with, I think that happened with the bulk of Prince's ballads on his albums. Mm-hmm. I don't think anything, um, well, there's only a handful of ballads that were released as a single. Um, most of his True hits, they weren't official singles. Yeah, they were underground, per se. Yeah. Word of mouth. Yeah. So, guys, I guess uh, that would be it for this episode of uh, that good, good podcast experience. We've had a ball. Uh, we want Again, we want to welcome. Um, what well, thank. thank. Thank, excuse me, thank Lenny <laughs> Williams for being our guest. I mean, this episode exceeded all my expectations. I think so. I think we did Uh, very well. (laughs) A lot of fun. Yeah, a lot of fun. I want to thank everyone for participating. And I thank Lenny Williams. He was absolutely just a wealth of knowledge and just very easy to talk to. He was just great. Love him. Absolutely. Absolutely. A class act. Absolutely. So until next time, hey, I'm Marcus, along with Kim and Byron. This has been that good, good. And we out. We out. We out.